today about God's revelation. God's revelation. The Apostle says here in verse 9 of 1 Corinthians 2, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man as the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. It says there that man can't see, man can't hear, and he can't get it in his heart. What God has prepared, what God has done for his people. And then he turns right around and says, but there is a people that has seen, that has heard, and has seen it in their heart. <laughs> Why? Because God revealed it to them. God revealed it to them. Now, God dwells in a light that no man can approach unto. God dwells in a light that James said it this way. He said, God is light. And there's no variableness about his light. There's no shadow of turning. I mean, he does not cast a shadow. He is light, perfect, complete light. And look with me. You keep 1 Corinthians. Look in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. And this is, this is what I'm saying. That God is light. That he dwells in a light that no man can approach unto. In 1 John 1, 5. This is what he says. This then is the message which we have heard of him. We just got through talking about God revealing things. John said here, this is the message that we heard of him. That God taught us, that God spoke to us, that God revealed us. And this is the message we dare declare unto you, that God is light. And there's no darkness in him at all. I mean, he's light. And so we get back over here in our text. So the apostle begins to talk about the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. This God who dwells in a light. This God who is light. That's what we declare unto you, that he's light. So the apostle begins to talk about the wisdom of God here in verse 7. He said, well, we speak the wisdom of God. And he said, we speak this wisdom of God in a mystery. Because this wisdom had been hid. This wisdom of God we speak in a mystery because it had been hidden. It was the hidden wisdom of God. And when Paul says we speak the mystery, what he's saying is that we're preaching something, teaching something, revealing something, Previously unknown, but now it's revealed. When you come across the mystery in the scriptures, it's something that had been hidden, and now it's revealed. And he says, we're speaking the wisdom that was once hidden, and it was a mystery, and now we make this mystery known unto you. And you know our Lord Jesus Christ, he says, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid, hid these things. 
unto the wise and prudent has revealed them unto babes. For even so it seemed good in your sight. And that's what we want to turn mystery is talking about something previously unknown now revealed. And I want to look at this revelation of truth, this revelation of wisdom, this revelation of Christ in God in these verses. First thing I want you to understand, this revelation cannot possibly, this revelation of the wisdom of God, this revelation of Christ, of God and the gospel, cannot possibly be the invention of men. Look what it says in verse 9. But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man. What? So if man couldn't come up with it, he couldn't see it, he couldn't hear it, he couldn't understand it in his heart. The things God prepared. Well, how in the world then could it possibly be the invention of men? Natural eyes never saw it. The eye of his carnal mind has never seen it. The ear of man's worldly wisdom has never heard it. It's never entered into the heart of a man apart from the Spirit of the Holy Spirit of God. The things that God hath prepared for them that love Him. He said down here in verse 14, and he goes to say this, But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. He sits there and he hears the same thing everybody else does. He sees the same preacher. He's looking at the same words. But it's not getting to him like it's getting to people that's revealed to. And I'm telling you that if you ever see it, if you ever hear it, if it ever gets into your heart, it's because God has revealed it to you. That's what I'm saying. And princes didn't see it. Look what he said here in verse 6. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, or those that understand, that are mature. Yet we don't speak the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world. That's the powerful people of this world, the elite of this world, the rulers of this world, because their wisdom comes to nothing. And he says down in verse 8, the the princes of this world didn't know this wisdom. The princes of the world didn't see this wisdom of God that was hidden. They didn't know it, for had they known the wisdom of God, had they had this revelation of God, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And the world didn't see it. The princes of this world didn't see it. In fact, God said nobody since the beginning of the world had ever seen it. You keep this and look in Isaiah 64. And that's what I'm talking about, God's revelation. And I know something about this because, beloved, I read a Bible... I preached, quoted lots and lots and lots of scriptures, was a legalist from the top of my head to the sole of my foot, a fundamentalist, told everybody else how to live, tried to live right, whatever that means. And God, in sovereign mercy one day, began to open my heart and reveal himself to me. And I saw that I was the one in trouble, not everybody else. It was me. I was the one that had never seen God. I talked how to live and how to work and how to be obedient and how to pray and how to dress. How to memorize scriptures, but I didn't know anything about Christ. And that's why Paul said we speak the hidden wisdom of God. 
It was hidden. When do you get it? But God has revealed them unto us. And I say from the beginning, God said nobody ever seen this. Look here in Isaiah 64 and verse 4. For since the beginning of the world, <laughs> God says here, men have not heard, nor perceived by the ear, neither have I seen. O God, beside thee what he hath prepared for them that waited for him. Uh, that's what I'm telling you. I don't care how you don't enter into your mind. Natural man don't get it. But I'll tell you what it is. It's a revelation from God. Look what he says. It may not ever enter into the scene with the eye or hear with the ear or enter into the man's heart. But look what he says. But God hath revealed revealed this wisdom unto us by His Spirit. The Spirit searcheth all things, yea, all the deep things of God. You see, beloved, the Scriptures tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 that we were dead in trespasses and sins. Dead man can't hear. Dead man can't feel. Dead man can't do anything. But he says we were dead in trespasses and sins and we walked according to the course of this world. According to the princes of the power there. The spirit that works in the children of disobedience. And we were even by nature the children of wrath even as others. Listen, but God. But God who is rich in mercy quickened us together with Christ. And so that's what I'm saying. Only God knows the Son. And He to whom He'll reveal Him. Now only God Himself knows who the Son is. I knew about Jesus, but I didn't know the Son. I quote some scriptures, and I could tell you about Calvary. And bring tears to your eyes, but I didn't know the Son. And that's what we're talking about. Look over here in Matthew, Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16, talking about the revelation. You see, that's why our Lord says, No man, no man can come unto me except the Father which hath sent me drawing. And then the next verse says, And they shall all be taught of God. They shall all be taught of God. God takes His children and teaches His children. But it starts with a revelation. I mean, you know, you're sitting there and you're in your darkness and the light starts coming. And the mind starts opening. Truth starts bombarding that heart. Truth starts bombarding that mind. And you start hearing things you never heard. Seeing things you never saw. Understanding things you never understood. And I don't know how many people have told me over the years that when they began to see the grace of God and saw Christ and were converted... That it was like they got a brand new Bible. That a new world came into their life. But look what it says here in Matthew 16 and verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? And that's a good question. I ask you, who do you say He is? Who do you say Jesus Christ is? 
And that's what he asked him. Everybody's talking about me. They're talking about me on television. They're talking about me in documentaries. Everybody says they're Christian. Everybody says they're praying. But who do you say I am? And watch what he says now. And they said, some say you're John the Baptist. You're a fiery, hellfire, and brimstone preacher. Some say you're Elijah. And others say you're Jeremiah because you're such a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief that you, if you weep all the time, that you're like Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. And then he turned around to them and he said, Who say you that I am? Simon Peter? John? James? You young men, you young women, who do you say he is? Who do you say he is? And Simon Peter answers and says, Thou art the Christ. You're the one that God sent from the beginning of the world. You're the one that God promised. You're the Son of the living God. Our Lord answered and said unto him, O Simon, Oh, how blessed you are, Simon. Flesh and blood hath not revealed that unto you. Flesh and blood says that he's John the Baptist. Flesh and blood says he's Elijah. Flesh and blood says he's Jeremiah. But the Spirit of God reveals unto thee that Christ, the Son of the living God. Huh? That's who David says. That's why Pilate, when he had the Lord Jesus before him, he said, Art thou the king of the Jews? You know what our Lord said to him? He said, Did you say that of yourself? Do you see that? Do you understand that? Did that come from your heart? Or did somebody else tell you that I was the king of the Jews? And that's the difference. Does somebody use it? You, do you know it yourself? Or are you going by what somebody else told you? But do you know it? Or somebody else tell you? Is that why you're asking me? If you, really, if you ask me from your heart, and if you want to know, I'll let you know who I am. But if you're just going me by what somebody else said, and then just asking me out of curiosity, you're going to stay just as dumb as you are. And that's why, beloved, that's why the thief on the cross, this is what I'm talking about, the revelation of Christ. The thief on that cross, nailed beside the Lord Jesus Christ. And he looked over one day, and back in his dying hour, he looked at the Lord Jesus and said, Lord! And other fellows cussed him and said, Why are you cussing him? We're here justly. This man's done nothing amiss. He's a sinless man. He's not here for anything he's ever done. Don't you fear God? And then he looked and he says, Lord, remember me. Where did he find out he was Lord? How did he know he was Lord? And then he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. How did he know he had a kingdom? <laughs> and then the Lord looked, listened, he said to him, said, you know what? Today, today, not tomorrow, today, you're going to go with me to paradise. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm saying. How did the world as those things happen? 
the revelation of God. The other fellow, he met, he saw the same person. He cussed him. The other called him Lord. What was the difference? Ah, God hath revealed it to you. God, but God hath revealed it unto us. And let me tell you about the mysteries that Paul talks about. The mysteries. The mysteries, even the hidden wisdom of God. Let me tell you some mysteries. The things of God that's been revealed unto us. Eternal election. That's a mystery of God. I read the Bible for years. I never saw election. Sovereign mercy. But God who hath separated me from my mother's womb. Called me by His grace. And revealed His Son into me. Huh? The mystery of sovereign mercy. Jacob have a love. Esau have a hate. It's not of him that willeth. It's not of him that runneth. But it's of God that showeth mercy. The incarnation of Christ. That Christ came here and embodied Himself in the womb of a woman who had never known a man. That God came here and took upon Him flesh. What a mystery! And the Trinity. One God, but distinctly in three persons. A God who is the Father, a God who is the Son, and a God who is the Holy Ghost. Three distinct persons with three distinct works, but yet one God. Explain that. Can't you explain it? Oh, how do you talk about a man, the mystery of a sinless life? A man who was born sinless, lived sinless. 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 We're so sinful in and of ourselves that we can't comprehend sinlessness. We can't do it. And all to talk about this person, to represent that he came here not to live for himself, but to live for other people. He did not live his life for himself. He didn't come here to live his life to himself. He came here to live for somebody else, to live a life that you and I couldn't live. He, we needed a perfect, sinless, obedient life to God from the cradle to the death. And our Lord Jesus Christ, as a representative, He lived that life before God. And the Father says, This is my beloved Son. He doeth always please me. And now because Christ did that, God can look at us and say, I'm well pleased with them. I accept them in the beloved. Huh? And oh, not only that, but beloved, that man who was on this earth in that sinless life who was born of that virgin was God Himself. That God who dwelt in a life that no man can approach unto, He came here, and when you saw Him, you saw God. When He spoke, you heard the voice of God. When He done something, it was God doing it. And that's one of the crimes they charged him with. They said, he blasphemeth this man, maketh himself to be God. <laughs> oh, he was God. And he is God. And he'll ever be God. Jesus Christ the same today, yesterday, and forever. Huh? And though be left, death and he died. If he was God... 
and he was deity, and he was sinless, how in the world could he die? How can God die? Huh? And then when he died, what would his death accomplish? What was the purpose of it? What did it accomplish? You know how you'll know these things and get the answers to these questions? But God hath revealed them unto us. <laughs> these are the mysteries we're talking about. And the mystery of his resurrection. Men don't rise from the dead. Every one of us has lost somebody that we dearly loved, and when they're gone, we said, Oh, if I'd just had another man to say something else to them. I wish I'd have done this by them. I wish I'd have said that. I wish I'd have done this. I wish I'd have done that. Spend more time. Said just for least I wish I'd like to spend one this world before they left this world. But, beloved, and if you could raise them back up, you'd say that to them. But you can't do that. But our Lord Jesus Christ was, is lifeless. And his body was as white as that paper when they took him off that cross. He's dead. Couldn't hear, couldn't see. Mary just wept and wept and wept and wept, said, Show me his body, show me his body, show me his body. Just say, Show me his life, show me his body. She went there to see it one morning, it wasn't there. You mean that set fella that died and they took and put him in a tomb and put a great big rock over it? Got there and the rock was gone. Where's he at? Why seek ye the living among the dead? Jesus Christ was dead. He said, I am he that was dead, but I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys of hell and death on my girdle. And then not only did he resurrect, oh, what a mystery. After 40 days, the fellows were standing there talking to him. And while they was talking to him, well, he went. He left this earth. And they watched him till he went plumb out of sight. <laughs> and not only did he ascend, but there's a throne in glory. A throne at the right hand of God the Father. And guess who's sitting on that throne? That same man who came here that was in that womb of that virgin, that lived that representative life, that lived that sinless life, that died that death, that it just seemed impossible to die, who was God in this world, who raised from the dead, and ascended that same one, it sits right now at God's right hand. And guess what he's doing now? He's taking up my name, taking, up your, taking yours, James, taking yours, Gary, taking yours when you're in trouble. Taking yours, when you, when you start asking God on behalf of somebody else, the Lord Jesus takes your prayers and presents them to God. He perfumes them. He makes them acceptable. They go through that blessed censor. So when they get up to the Father, the Father smells them and says, Boy, they smell good. Huh? Oh, my. And how did He reveal these things to us? Look here in verse 10. I'll tell you how He revealed them to us. But God, these mysteries that's been hidden now, they, they made known now, see. How do you know them? Because God hath revealed them. How did He reveal them to us? By the Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. That's how He does it. The Holy Spirit comes. And our Lord Jesus Christ said, When He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He shall take the things of mine 
and show them unto you. Take my incarnation. Take my nature. Take my person. Take my work. Take my life. Take my death. Take my resurrection. Take who I am and make everything about, make me known to them. Huh? And oh, beloved, look what he says here. For the Spirit searches all things. What does that best search in me? That he goes throughout the Bible. Holy Spirit takes the Bible and he searches out what you need to hear. And when you need to hear it. And he searches out the deep things of God. All the deep things of God. You know, people, people think prophecy is deep. They want to hear about prophecy. When this is going, that's coming, this is going this way, and that's going yon way, and the horse going this way, and somebody's coming that way. You know, you don't know you're going up, going down, going in, going out, you don't know where you're going. You know, look over here in Luke chapter. You want something deep. You want something deep. Let me show you something deep. Some of the deep things of God. Luke chapter 1. You know, people think prophecy is deep. Oh, here's something that's deep. You plumb this. Plumb this right here. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Just plumb the depth of this right here. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, espoused, engaged, to a man whose name was Joseph. Now watch this, of the house of David. Why was he of the house of David? We'll tell you here in a minute. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail! You're highly favored. The Lord is with you. God has graciously accepted you or much graced you. The Lord is with you. You're blessed among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying. God's graced me much, graciously accepted me, and cast in her mind, began to wonder in her mind and ponder what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. You found grace in God, from God. And behold, listen to it now, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and shall bring forth a son, and this is what you're going to call him. You're going to call him Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to tell you his name before he's born. Jesus. He shall be great. Shall be called the Son of the Highest. Both those capitalized. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. That's why Joseph was the son of David. The rightful heir. And listen, he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever, and the end of his kingdom there shall be no end. And then Mary said unto him, the angel, How in the world shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. Plumb that. <laughs> Plumb the depth of that. And then look what he says. And the angel answered her. Yeah, plumb the depth of this. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. The power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. 
You know anything more mysterious than that? Huh? Well, let me plumb the depth of this. God made him this son of the highest, this conceived in the womb of the virgin. God made him to be sin. The son of the highest, conceived of a virgin, the throne of David, his kingdoms forever and ever. You mean God made him to be sin who knew no he knew no sin? How could that possible? What? How are you going to plumb the depth of that? God made him to be sin who knew no sin? And then, why? That we could then be made the righteousness of God in him. How can he be made sin and us be made righteous? I understand what it is for me to be sin. I don't understand how to be made righteous unless it's revealed to you. Ain't that what I'm saying? Huh? Oh, my. And look what it says. These things are freely given to us, O God. (laughs) What is this revelation? I've got to... What is this revelation? Oh, this mystery of God. No wonder Paul said, Oh, the depth of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. Who has ever known the mind of the Lord? Who's ever known it? Who's ever been His counselor? For of Him, through Him, to Him, be all things, both now and forever. Amen. My, my. Here I stand. Here you sit. And you're understanding what I'm saying, some of you are. It's entered into your heart. You're hearing it with your ear. You're seeing it with eyes of faith. And you rejoice in it. You find, how did you, how did you learn these things? How did these things become alive to you and real to you and vital to you? But God has revealed them unto us by His Spirit. Ah, and oh, what this revelation is. Here in chapter 2, look up in verse 1. What is this revelation? And thy brethren, when I came to you, God's going to send a preacher to you. And when I came to you, when I got over here among these Corinthians, I didn't come with excellency of speech or of wisdom. People weren't going, they ain't going to be dazzled by my language and by big words that I use. You're not going to be dazzled by my speeches. You ain't going to get up and say, oh my. Woo! That guy just... I've never seen anything like him. No, that's not the way Paul was. <laughs> he got there and they said, but he said, I'll tell you what I am going to do. I'm going to declare you the testimony of God. Well, what's God's testimony? For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's the revelation. If that's revealed to you, huh? oh my, the testimony of God concerning Christ and Him crucified, we start out with the person of Christ. And I'm going to say something right here, and I hope you understand it. There's a lot of people talk about the work of Christ, but never talk about the person of Christ. And you can trust the work of Christ and say, I'm trusting the cross and miss the person. It's who was on that cross. It's whose blood that was shed on that cross. It's who did the work. And if you know who did it, 
then you won't have a bit of problem trusting the work. Huh? Tell you all story. I'm going to quit preaching and tell you something. Years and years and years ago, Mary and I, I took her and we went down to a little old trailer down in Felicity, Ohio, way out on a creek bank, no electricity, carrying water. My uncle's going to make a hog house out of it. And he let us live in that thing. We fixed it up a little bit and stayed in that. And I was going to make us a wash stand, you know, to set the, set a pan on. So when you come outside way old, old time, we used to have a old porcelain pan, you know, and you pour water in it and you wash your hands before you go in the house or wash your face, you know. So I was going to build them talking about a work now. And the person. I was going to build us a war stand. Well, I built a war stand. And that thing went just like it. I said something on it. Leaned all the way over. You don't want me to build you no war stands. <laughs> My works don't amount to nothing. My my whole life, nothing but a work stand to go. But his work, him, his work is perfect because he's perfect. His work accomplished what God meant for it to do because he was God himself. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, to know him. If you can trust him, then you don't have no problem at all trusting his work, do you? Uh, and all of beloved, let me tell you something about his work. He was delivered for our offenses, raised for our justification. Look over in Hebrews chapter 3 with me, just a moment. Hebrews chapter 3. You know, when it says he has delivered for our offenses, delivered for all the offenses we had toward God, all the offenses where we offended God, all the sins that we made toward God, Christ was delivered for all of the offenses that we made. And then he was raised again to justify us, to take away all of our offenses and make us acceptable, righteous before God. Look what it said here in Hebrews chapter 3. Our Lord had three appearings talking about Christ coming. Look in verse 26. Excuse me, not Hebrews 3, Hebrews 9. I'm sorry, I don't know how in the world I got to Hebrews 3. Hebrews 9. I see three appearings. That's why I looked at three. Three appearings here. Our Lord, come, come. Three appearings. Look in verse 26. Here's his first appearing. For then must he offer have suffered since the begin from the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared. Hath he appeared. What did he appear for? To put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. See, he appeared. To do what? To put away sin by the sacrifice of He done that once. That's why Paul said we preach Christ. Now watch this. Crucified. Look at his next appearing. In verse 24. This is when he ascended back to glory. But Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the truth, but into heaven itself. Watch it now. Now to appear in the presence of God. For who? Them people had that revelation. <laughs> Them people that he put away their sin. And look what he's going to do now. The next, and he's going to appear again. Verse 28. 
So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time down here. Without sin, not going to put sin away anymore. It's already done. But he's coming for them. That's looking for him. I'm looking for him. Are you looking for him? <laughs> I'm looking for him. Oh, bless his holy name. And this is a revelation not only of Christ and him crucified, but it's a revelation of God's superabounding grace. He said, where sin abounded, and it abounds. Does sin ever seem like it just abounds in you? Where sin abounded, grace does much more abound. Grace just superabounds over sin. What it is, this revelation that we're talking about, it's a revelation of His ability, of His power to save to the uttermost them that come to God by Him. It's a revelation that all a sinner needs is in Christ Jesus Himself. His righteousness, His work, His work. And that's all you need to be accepted of God is Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. That's all you need. We made accepted. We're out in the beloved. And oh, let me tell you this. And I'll, I'll, I'll take just a few minutes. Look at the believer's attitude back over in our back over in First Corinthians two. The believer's attitude toward this revelation. But oh, when God reveals these things to us, what's our attitude? Oh, what does it do for us? What does it do for us? Uh, oh my. There was a lot of contentions. There in verse 2, it says this, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's the believer's attitude. I want to know nothing but Christ and Him. That's what I want to know. More about Jesus would I know. More of His saving fullness, see. More of His grace and love to me. There were a lot of contentions in Corinth. They argued, they was... They was arguing over tongues, arguing over marriage, arguing over adultery, arguing over gifts, arguing over giving, arguing over idolatry. Brothers was taking other brothers to church, to, to court, suing one another. Some said, I'm of Paul. Some said, I'm of Apollos. Some said, I'm of Cephas. And Paul said, you're just a bunch of babies. Who is Paul? Who is Apollos? We're nobody. It's God. It's Christ. And lots of things can cause contentions today. Lots of things can cause contentions today. And that's why, beloved, I, you know, politics can cause contention. Abortion can cause contention. Gun control can cause contention. Prophecy can cause contention. Dispensationalism can cause contention. A wagon tongue can cause contention. Christian liberty. How far can you go as a Christian with your liberty? All these things can cause a lot of contention. But in all these things, there's one thing needed. And listen to me. I I get afraid for people. I get scared for people. I get burdened for people. There are folks who come one time, once ever, come three times a, a week. Then they go down to two times a week. Then they go down to one time a week. And then they go down to once ever... Two or three weeks. And that worries me. I can tell you, and I can make you feel guilty, and I can go after you for being lax in your church attendance, and lax to the gospel, and lax in not being faithful. But beloved, I tell you, if Christ and Him crucified is not sufficient to make you want to come hear the gospel, 
me and anything I can say or do other than just weep for you and be burdened for you and be concerned for you and hurt for you and be afraid for you. If Christ and Him crucified, which I preach three times a week, if that's not enough, then I don't know what's good for you then. I know that only one thing puts down contention. Only one thing will do something in a man's heart. And that's Christ and Him crucified. That brings peace among the brethren. That puts grace in a man's heart. That puts love in a man's heart. That puts faith in a man's heart. That puts a desire in a man's heart. That puts everything that a person needs. And if that's not enough. And if we determine to know nothing else in addition to what people are going to say. You're narrow-minded. You're narrow-minded. But Paul said, this is all I'm going to do. And how in the world is this revelation going to be preached? Well, look what he said here. Look what he said in verse 4. He said, in my speech and my preaching wasn't with enticing men's words of men's wisdom. I wasn't trying to persuade anybody to do anything. I wasn't trying to convince you of nothing. I wasn't trying to talk you into something. Didn't catch you in a weak moment. I didn't use eloquent words. I didn't talk about the superlapsarian, infralapsarian, sublapsarianism theory of the atonement made by Dr. Soundenbrass. I didn't talk about what so-and-so said about something, you know, way back there. No, we're talking about what the Scripture said right here. I didn't use excellent words. I didn't use fleshly energy. Look what he says. It's in the demonstration of the Spirit. What does that mean? That means that the Holy Spirit is present to make the gospel alive and real and effectual and applied to men's hearts. Without the demonstration of the Spirit, it's useless in His power. And I, there's been a few times I feel like, well, and I'll tell you, why God gave us this revelation. Look there in verse 7. And I'm done. Why did God give us this revelation? In verse 7. We speak the wisdom of God. I've been speaking the wisdom of God today. That wisdom that was a mystery. That was hidden. It's hidden in Christ. Hidden in the Scriptures. But oh man, we're speaking this now. This is what we're talking about. And God ordained... This wisdom, this hidden wisdom, this mystery of the gospel for our glory. When are you going to get this glory? When we go with Christ and we get it right now. We glory. You know what we glory in? Christ. <laughs> Is Christ enough? Is He enough? Well, what old Scott Richardson said? He is. If He's all you got. Oh, our Father, gracious God in heaven. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your people that listen. Thank you for this revelation. Lord, we know we didn't come to this naturally. We know we could have never understood this. Never rejoiced in it. Never believed it. Never saw it. Never heard it. 
never would have entered into our very soul, our minds, unless you had revealed it to us. And God, I pray that you in sovereign mercy would reveal this to men and women here. Oh, God, make them to see. Make them to see with these eyes of faith. Give them eyes to see. Give them ears to hear. Give them hearts to believe. For only you can. And Holy Spirit, take the things of Christ. Make them real to us. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.